for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. We're here with Bruce Strong, my good buddy uh, John good day, everybody. Palmer. <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> we- Glad to be back. <laughs> and uh, we got Tasty McDowell in the studio, right? Hey, we're hey, talking crew. about dry hopping. Uh, yeah. Not dry humping, dry hopping. I've done both. <laughs> <laughs> Fond memories of each. <laughs> See, now you guys, I don't know if I've contaminated you or what's happened. We're just following your lead. <laughs> it's, it's your fault, yes. It, it's exactly. Clearly my fault, but, uh, uh, you know, what? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, I think it's the, uh, the, uh, the Shatastic. It's, uh, I think it is. Chad's yes. uh, really freaking awesome beer that I've uh, drank about a gallon of at this point. Yeah, I believe he dropped dry hop. This was Simcoe. Among other yes, things. a lot of Simcoe, and uh, he he cut Simcoe, out like yeah. the Warrior and Columbus and things like that, which uh, he didn't. Uh, I don't know because because you didn't have access to it. You know, with the yeah the hop shortage. I wouldn't give him the hops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tasty, yeah. He's got the hops. He just doesn't uh, exactly. distribute them out. It's like, well, you're brewing my beer. If you're brewing something else, he would have like you know cut loose with the hops. But you're trying to you're trying to. Uh, you it's know, already better than mine. Muscle so in did, on yeah, the uh, yeah. the tasty territory. You're right. you're in trouble. Speaking of which, John Palmer and I we went to Australia. That's right. Uh, for the very first Australian National Conference. And a fantastic time it was. Absolutely. But one of the guys at club night, they had a club night, and one of the guys there, he's like, Jamel, try this. Tried it. Really nice beer. Very tasty. Well brewed. Guy knows what he's doing. He said, look, he says, tail tasty. This is his recipe. <laughs> the, the the only comment I had, I, I think it was it was really well done. I think it was a little sweeter. Than your version, your yours is really dry, and I told them this, and and just because you know a lot of people can't handle uh, any sort of uh, uh, you know realistic criticism. <laughs> I mean, Tasty, you're one of the very yeah, few. Yeah, who yeah I'll take all you got. I think yeah. Shaq yeah. Shaq can take it too. Yeah. Um, uh, and I thought this guy, you know, since he's uh, you know he appears to be a disciple of yours, <laughs> he, you know, he talked about brewing many of your recipes. Yeah. And uh, having great success, and he, he was very proud of the fact that he brewed this uh, recipe of yours, and I tasted it. And I've tasted, uh, you know, your beer, you know, a number of times. And, again, just a, a little sweet, and I think, yeah. you know, it may have to do with the, the malt choices he had available to him. He had to go with something a little yeah. uh, darker as well, but, uh, you know, a very good beer. Cool. And, you know, that, that, that whole club night scene, uh, the, the whole beer scene in Australia it's really similar to here, really. You know? Oh yeah, you know, and and they'll tell you, well, you know, I think we're five to ten years behind the U.S. beer scene. Well, uh, maybe, but uh, you know, maybe, I don't maybe think... in terms of the the number uh, of microbreweries or yeah, something. But, but I'll tell you, there's some really good stuff. I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's. I think you come over here, you know, you're you're right in there. I think there's there's uh, plenty of brewers here not brewing as as well as they're doing in Australia and not brewing the variety that they're brewing in Australia. So mm-hmm. I think you know Australians uh, knock knocking some great beers out. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I, 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 I had a lot of uh, American-style pale ales there that mm-hmm. were spot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, d- very, very Well, good. little creatures. It's, it's like Sierra Nevada, but done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Matilda Bay, too. Yeah, that, yeah. That, was, that was one of my favorites. Well, and, uh, you know, I went around, a friend of mine took me around to uh, uh, a couple of breweries, and I tried various things, and there was the, the, the spectacular beers. And I, I warn everybody, we're going long here on our on our uh, waxing eloquent, our, our uh, waffling on. We're going to waffle on for probably a good half hour. But they deserve So if you don't like that, just fast forward, and we'll leave you behind. But, you know, we, we've got to give props to our brothers in Australia, brothers and sisters in Australia. That's right. That are brewing. And... Uh, you know, a friend took me around to the uh, Holgate Brewery in, in uh, Woodend. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and there, I tell you, one of the beers that I thought was spectacular, that would be a spectacular beer here. You know, uh, people ask me, well, you know, what beers have you had that you really liked? That's one thing about Australia is, how many times did you get asked, yeah. what do you think of Australia? Is, are you having a good time? Do you enjoy it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna, and are you going to stay? Are you going right. to get a chance to see things? Like, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, there's like 200 people at the conference. I must have been asked 400 times. How do you like you know, Australia? How, how you know, I like Australia. And I tell you, I love Australia. It is one of the Me too. G- great, great. And, well, and, I, you know, uh, uh, physically, all right, buildings and uh, land and all that, it's fine. It's, you know, I, I think you could find that in other places in the world. Sure. But the thing that makes Australia great is the people. Yeah. The people are so friendly. warm and funny and uh, kind and, uh, you know, all, all the great things you, you want uh, somebody to be, you yeah. know. Completely, you felt completely at home, just hanging out with your friends, right. hanging out with, the, with your mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it well, was and, just a great week. And, and, and more so than just the, because, you know, uh, people are thinking, well, you know, that's because you're at this beer conference and beer people are that way. Well, yeah, they are. And maybe maybe they're a little more friendly than the average Australian. But I'll tell you, the average Australian is very friendly, yeah. very kind. You go into any shop or you know, meet anybody on the street, and they're they're just uh, great yeah. people. So. I, was, I was walking out to uh, the Queen's Victoria Market, yeah. or Queen Victoria's Market there. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, at, asking, you know, what's available and chatting with people. They're really friendly to help and point things out share a little bit well and so we went to this whole game brewery and i tried the temptress there which is their coca cocoa porter chocolate porter oh really absolutely stunning just stunning not not good not great stunning it, it had just the wonderful uh chocolate slightly sweet uh up front with a real uh, viscous kind of you know creamy body yeah and then this beautifully dry finish the perfect dry finish that when you get not not overly dry not harsh in the slightest way but dry just yeah. almost like kind of powdery dry and, and late in the palate and after you've you've swallowed this had a chance to appreciate it you're going you know i'm ready for another i'm yeah. ready for another taste that, it, I, it, I, I could gulp down dozens of pints of that yeah. just just wonderful Absolutely fantastic. A couple other great beers I had there. Two Brothers Growler, which is American brown ale. They're like, well, you know, maybe this is not as hoppy as you like in the U.S. They believe that we brew everything really hoppy. This is more along the lines of a smaller um, Moostrel. Oh, yeah. Same malt character. Mm -hmm. Ah, wonderful. Just fantastic. Great malt character. And then uh, Bridge Brewing, Bridge Brewer, Bridge Bridge Brewing. I'm messing it up now. Yeah, I'm sure and the, the brewer. Uh, I met the brewer and uh, tasted his Saison. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it could have been a touch drier, yeah. but uh, just the flavor profile, just 
just a thing of beauty. And he also had an IPA that I really liked. It was a little too crystal malty for me. It would do great in the Midwest and the East where they, they, sure. they like a, a more crystal character in the uh, IPAs and not, not so much here. Not the West Coast, but yeah. But, you know, technically coast. brewing, you know, just, just flawless. Yeah. So, uh. I, I had so a couple of really good, good ESBs too. Where mm-hmm. they had, they had, had the malt character, the, the fermentation character and had the bitterness that I, I thought the ESBs were really, really good. Yeah, just fan- well, and at Holgate, I met uh, what became my two mates, which is uh, Peter Simons and uh, Barry Cranston. Yeah, uh, two two great guys, great brewers, right? And they they went around with me. I hung out with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. had dinner with them. Uh, endless number of hours. Yeah, we all went out to dinner at that uh, Empress of India. Yeah, there, great which place. which was a great. Place. Been there for like forty years. And uh, there's pictures of like Cher when she was young, and Neil Sadaka, all with this, this guy who was a fighter pilot for the uh, Indian Army, oh, yeah. uh, or Indian Air Force, and uh, got shot down, and his arm all messed up in, in Pakistan, and uh, it was it was just the the food was spectacular, yeah, and was, that's that's one we, thing about uh, Melbourne, I think, is the food. Yeah, also yeah. good. No matter where you go, you go to the local sandwich shop, and it's great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, that was. That was a wonderful city, and and just uh, the experiences we had were great. No, oh, I think it's colored by the people. Again, yeah, yeah. hanging out with Peter and Barry was, <laughs> was just, fun. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, one of the best times I've ever had. We went around to a number of mm-hmm. pubs, and we just sat there and we we had yeah. some beers and talked, and we we uh, you know well, the, we, the people we, that uh, put on the conference were. You know, it really did a yes. wonderful job at organizing that and getting us. They, get they put us up. They they chauffeured us around. I, I, I got a big, big props to Andrew, who headed the whole thing up, and yeah. uh, John as well, and uh, uh, Phil. You know, and Phil. Phil was wonderful. Uh, all those, all those folks are, were absolutely wonderful, and and uh, you know, I feel like you know they've they've been thanking us for coming over, but <laughs> oh yeah, I, but still. I I really have to thank them. I think we're the ones who should be you know most Definitely. appreciative of of this uh, this whole conference and everything we did. And, yeah, uh, you know what what. You know, if if everyone in their life could experience this just once, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, we, we love going to NHC every year here in the mm-hmm, uh, in the mm-hmm. states, and I know everybody at the the ANHC had a great time, and I, I hope they do it again next year, right? And because I mean, I th- I think the people there, you know, just you know, uh, brewers are special. I mean, this this is a great time meet uh, meet other brewers talk brewing and, you, and to find so many mates that you know think the way you do and they're interested in the same things you are um it's always fun how many people yeah. attended did you guys say that about 200 really you know, nice. I, uh, which is, is uh, first really, one uh, yeah yeah you know better than uh, texas was a, a few years ago at the yeah. uh the, the american version yeah i mean considering and, they have what 10 15 percent of the population of right, the united states right. well and I'll, I'll i'll say this uh not even 10 percent oh uh, more like seven uh, percent, right? Yeah. Like three hundred. They're twenty-one million. Oh, okay. Um, the the uh, uh, you know hard to say this, but I think I had a better time at the Australian conference than I had at the U.S. conference. The food was by oh, far better. Oh, those the food dinners. was incredible. Yeah, there really was. I mean, we had two beer pairing dinners, and the first beer pairing dinner was all the beers were brewed by. Attendees at the conference. I mean, right, right. Um, Ron well, and Tony. Um, well, and the winners John. of the uh, the uh, national competition, like the the Brewing Machine Award, those yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, 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 
just stunning. Yeah, stunning beers and stunning food. I mean, um, we were at the Anglis Institute there, mm-hmm. and uh, there, you know, the, the students and the chef I mean, put together a wonderful dinner, and then the uh, the big banquet at the the next day, uh, where they announced all the uh, the the uh, competition awards. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. again, wonderful food mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and wonderful beer pairings too. Not as good as the night before. Not quite. But, but I'll tell you, it beat anything I've had at NAC. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, yeah. the, the the exception to this, I believe, is coming up <laughs> June two thousand nine. We're going to San have, Francisco. We're going to have our own beer chef, Mr. Paxton. That's right. Really, you know, pull out the stops, and he's going to, you know, uh, you know, uh, really. Uh, yeah, you know, we're, set the we're biased because Sean's a good friend of ours. Well, and he's he, really good at what he does. Yeah, he is, really is. <laughs> and he's a creative genius. So that's going to be great. Yeah. But uh, So I, I hope everybody makes it out for the uh, NHC there. And and again, I, I wanted to go through uh, a couple of things. Um, at club night, and that's the thing I actually was yep. anticipating the best beer at. You know, everybody talked about the, the, the local pubs, but I think uh, maybe there's a... I, I, I don't know. I think... Um, you know, people may still be kind of oppressed by the perception that a commercial brewer can do it better than, in that case, an amateur brewer. Or, you know, we here we call home brewer. People here get offended when you call them amateur brewers. <laughs> Over there, they get offended when you call them home brewers. So it's, it's kind of an odd thing. Uh, but... Uh, you know, some of the best beers I had were there at that club night. There was there oh, yeah. were some clubs that uh, you know I, I tasted at least one beer from every club. Some of the clubs I tasted everything they had because uh, you know they were generally very 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 good yeah. stuff that you would rate in the uh, 40s and above on a score sheet. Definitely. But there were uh, there were there were two guys that really stood out to me. One was uh, uh, and I'm so bad with names I, I'd recognize him in a crowd. But one was Michael. I thought his last name was Messner or. I don't know. I just I'm, I'm so first name based with so, everybody yeah. there. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, probably one of the best looking blokes in Australia. That's one of the things. Now, here's here's the thing on Australia. I tell you, I love Australia. I'll tell you, the the women are really good looking, uh-huh. but the blokes, uh, you know, they're they're just about as ugly as you can find anywhere in the world. They're you know? rugged. Yeah, 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 rugged. That that's <laughs> that's a very kind description. So so a lot of you dudes are very ugly. Uh, there's a couple of dudes that are you know like better looking, but a lot of you a lot of you guys in Australia, pretty ugly looking, like myself. Uh, but <laughs> so <laughs> well, maybe that's why we get along well. There. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things is they're brewing some great beer. So this guy, uh, Michael, he had this pale ale. I thought it was the best thing I had at club night. Absolutely stunning. It had all the, uh, I actually took a picture of the guy <laughs> because the beer was so good. Yeah. And, uh, you had this pale ale with this really, uh, you know, rich mouthfeel, just the right amount of maltiness. And then, uh, you know, great hop character all throughout right balance of bitterness and you know a nice aroma and uh really fantastic and it was really neck and neck with this other guy i think his name was craig weber um and uh he had uh, uh, an ipa i think along the lines kind of like a almost like a double ipa or pliny clone almost uh made with galaxy hops oh yeah and galaxy i think is uh I think it was Galaxy. It's it's yep. a you know to me it's, it had that same oniony kind of celery oniony kind of character that I get in Simcoe. Mm-hmm. 
So I told him, I said, hey, you know, you see a recipe that says Simcoe, just throw in your galaxy hops, and you're you're right in there. And that was fantastic, too. Really well balanced, you know, just beautifully brewed. The guy really knows how to brew. And uh, when they asked me about the the beers, they were interviewing me for the beers at the end, and I mentioned these two beers. They go, well, yeah, of course, you're picking the hoppy beers. You're from, uh, you know, the U.S. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I'm picking these because they were the best brewed beers. These guys have the best brewing talent of the folks here in, in, in the uh, term. There are other people who are winners, mm-hmm. but their beers were, I thought, so-so. Uh, these these guys, they really know what they're doing brewing-wise. And uh, lo and behold, come to the... Uh, you know the award ceremony. This guy Craig, he uh, he was a runner-up for the uh, you know essentially the, the best, uh, best overall show. brewer uh, award for the most most awards. So he uh, won quite. A, so my thing was, look, I'm just picking out the best brewer. You know, and I I don't know if there's some relationship to brewing hoppy beers and best brewer, but maybe these guys who are curious about more styles and you know you know pushing the envelope maybe they're they're paying more attention to a lot of other things and uh, you bring in really hoppy beers an expensive proposition mm-hmm. anywhere you go so so maybe that's that's part of it they're putting more care in the beer because those were those were some fantastic yeah. beers i really i, I had been very curious before we went down you know how are the the the, the level of homebrews in, in australia going to compare to level of homebrews we see here in the united states and uh, you know, pleasantly surprised to see that they're neck and neck. Um, you got some great brewers in Australia that really understand yep. their ingredients, really understand the process. Um, the uh, I think in general, the two of us, you know, Jamil, you and I noted that uh, a lot of the beer styles or you know examples of style tend to be a little fruitier. Uh, yes, in Australia versus the United States. And uh, whether that's, you know, yeast character that they're generally brewing with or, or temperature, fermentation temperature, or maybe the hop variety like Galaxy mm-hmm. and some of the New Zealand hops, which tend to be kind of a fruitier profile, uh, you know, more uh, fruity floral uh, aromas in essence. Yeah, I think there's some of that, something to be said for that, but I think it's also fermentation. I think uh, the, 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 the acceptability of uh, a fruitier fermentation Mm-hmm. is uh higher in in australia around the world than it is here in the, in the US. u.s yeah in we, the US, we have a super clean you know ale that's uh almost akin to a lager and yeah. uh i think you know the, around the world where they're brewing ales not necessarily germany but around the world where they're brewing ales <laughs> you know Ale character is acceptable, you know, which, right. oh, you know, go figure, you know, an ale should taste like an ale. So I think that's part of it in that, uh, you know, if if we brewed something more along the lines here, we'd say, well, you know, do I need to pitch more yeast? You know, what do I do to get this, uh, you know, these esters under control? And <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we're looking for a super clean uh, kind of profile. But I did taste a couple of beers that I'm telling you, would rival uh, American pub brew right here. You know, oh, yeah. The best of yeah. it as far as uh, fermentation quality and, uh, you know, malts and everything else like that. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, was that all about Australia? Uh, I think what we're going to cover today is... I saw a possum. <laughs> saw a possum in the... In, 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 in you also in yeah. nearly stepped on a couple of people making out in the park. That's true. I was... <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying to just do a little stargazing one night and I'm yeah, step on yeah, some people. Yeah. But, uh, wait, wait, we don't have to go to break now. <laughs> What's that story? <laughs> um, simply, well, it, it's actually quite boring. Uh, oh. 
you know, <laughs> first time in the southern hemisphere. It's like they got different stars down there, and I should look so you're up looking and at them. Uh-huh. Look at them. This is the Palmer household type of. Okay, so there's like some ancient dinosaur that like you know looked at particular <laughs> <Right>. stars <laughs> right and you know it's you gonna know. be one of those stories so i don't know why you're asking <laughs> my fault <laughs> yeah, you know we're focus on the naked couple that's all you actually tripped over a naked couple no no they weren't no. naked but <laughs> they were getting there yeah can we say they were just for the purposes of the story <laughs> yeah. yeah okay right. you yeah. know you need, and, to, need to know how to embellish stories here and, and can we also say they were young and hot and not like old and yeah, retarded that, that is very true is right. it true and there was a group of them even well there were a lot of, a lot of <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the great things about uh, we don't normally edit but i think about melbourne is they got all these parks all all throughout scattered big parks I right see. yeah and so just about anywhere you are you can walk through one of these parks well people in their lunch hour they you know go to the parks and have lunch and enjoy the sun when it's nice and sunny out. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the women, uh, you know, they don't go topless, but, uh, oh. you know, they start uh, stripping down and go to the bras and stuff like that. And okay. here in America, that would be a big deal. So, you know, I took notice of it. And just you, just you from got. a so- social, uh, yeah, yeah, I stared. <laughs> the, the drool would come out of the bras. Stop and ask for directions or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's, it's uh, you know, they, they make a big deal of... Uh, uh, enjoying the uh, the parks and stuff when the sun comes out, it's a yeah. it's a nice thing. I, it's something I think we could do here instead of, uh, yeah, I'll spend my lunch hour typing on my computer, which is essentially sure. what I do, and uh, why I look so pale and pasty all the time. <laughs> I'd rather see you in your bra in the park. It's a good there country. You know. be healthier for you. That's what I did in Melbourne. Right? Yeah. Okay. Had a little time to myself. And uh, well, uh, after the know. break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, after the break, I'll talk about me in the park and uh, the people I met and <laughs> how I enjoyed myself. Yeah, after the break, we're going to get into dry hopping with our uh, good good buddy, Tasty McDowell. Brew right. Brew smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty Christmas you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. What have you gotten out of a vial of White Lab yeast? WLP 001, Cal Ale, baby! 23, Burton Ale. 008, East Coast Ale! Cal Common, WLP 810. 
That's gonna be the WLP 400 with beer. I got a sweet hoodie for my vial. Huh? White Labs, your source for great brewer's yeast, would like to invite all homebrewers to join the White Labs Customer Club. Redeem your empty vials for great White Labs merchandise and products. Free yeast, glassware, t-shirts, baseball caps, sweatshirts, polo shirts, and you won't believe what you'll get for 5,000 vials. Members also receive a newsletter packed with White Labs updates and facts, interviews with professional brewers, brew your own clone recipes, beercook.com recipes, and customer club stories. The White Labs Customer Club. Save your vials and get in the club. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah, some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> <laughs> Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking dry hopping is our, our topic for the day. Uh, I know we went uh, waxed eloquent about Australia and our good, good mates down there, but uh, now we got to get down to business because uh, all the, the uh, people who, who whinge about uh, yeah. us going off topic. Yeah. Uh, dry hopping, and all right. So we we got our good uh, buddy Tasty McDole here, and uh, does anybody have a? Uh, and Tasty makes some of the great dry hop beers, and he he's actually talked to a lot of people about uh, special techniques for dry hopping that are done in the commercial arena, things like that. Let's start off uh, like I like to start with a, a definition of dry hopping. What's dry hopping? Anyone want to tackle that? Oh well, okay. Um, dry hopping is when you add. Um, either uh, whole leaf hops or pellets to the fermenter. And generally, uh, you add them to the fermenter after primary fermentation is completed or nearly complete. Um, and, and doing so, you're, you're adding, uh, you're not boiling off volatile oils that contribute a lot of the uh, aroma to the beer. You're also getting some flavor. You get, uh, you get raw alpha acids, that is, unisomerized alpha acids, contributing to flavor of the beer and uh, so by dry hopping you get a, you get a unique uh, aroma and uh, some flavors that you don't get from any other uh, hopping process whether it's a hop back or late hop additions in the boil well that's a, 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 an interesting point uh, 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 Mike uh, emailed me and he said Jamel I've been meaning to get your opinion on dry hopping first do you uh, in the general size of the general says they require strong hop flavor. Uh, do you, I guess, do you dry hop in the, the ones that require strong hop flavor? If so, what's your procedure? Leave for pellets, bags or not, primary or secondary, a keg, leave it in the keg, remove after done, how long and how much? It's a complex question. It is. I responded with a three-word answer. Uh, look it up. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Wait for the show. I said, uh, you know, it isn't necessarily the strong flavor or, you know, uh, that you get from dry hopping. If you're looking for hot flavor, it isn't necessarily that you're looking for dry hop flavor. Uh, dry hop flavor is different 
than uh, late hop editions or That's earlier right. hop editions. There's there's a, or even hop back editions. They're all completely different. And and uh, with the dry hop, you're going to get uh, you're after more of a fresh, you know, raw hop, you know, cones in your hand kind of well, aromas. I think a big part of that is kind of a grassy, kind of a, a leafy, grassy type of character. When you say, Mike? Well, yeah, I mean, might lean towards more vegetative. You know, if that's mm-hmm. the, that t- hop is typically grassy. You're going to get that, and those that are, you know, like minty or perfumey, you're going to get that that side of it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the difference between late hop, dry, oh, uh, sure. hop back yeah, well, and dry is, right. you know, you you really emphasize the aroma, yeah. the, well, the yeah. fresh hop aroma that you you smell. Right. But again, uh, yeah, and, and, but I, uh, I I think you're right. But I think you know part of what makes us imagine it's fresh is that that grassy that yeah. that veg- oh, yeah. vegetal yeah. component that yeah. Mike's talking about. Yeah. That makes you think, oh, fresh hop. Because I think a lot of the hop flavor and aroma, there's there's some aromatics that are driven off so quickly right. when you drop those hops in hot wort mm. that they're gone that quick. Right. Um, so some of those you're going to capture in the dry hop, but uh, I think it's kind of that vegetal thing that uh, mm. that kind of lends to it. Yeah, it smells like the hops like they are in the bag before you use them. That's what we, you know, that's that's the best smell of hops as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And of course, once you boil them or put them under heat, that you get a different product. Yeah. But dry hopping, you get pretty much what you smell in the bag. Well, here here's one interesting um, thing to think about as we, as we talk this evening about hop aroma and dry hopping is that noble hop aroma is not dry hopped. That is yeah. a product of the boil. Yeah. And those, long boil, yeah, the long boil, sixty-minute boil at least. Yeah, yeah. Those are uh, epoxides and and uh, mm-hmm. oxides of the of the hop oils and and um, acids in hops that that create those noble hop flavors that you are used to from German lagers and so on. But when it comes to fresh hop aroma with mm-hmm. the hop oils like linalool and geraniol and uh, terpenol and all these other fruity uh, piney uh, floral aromas. That's the kind of aromas you get from well, the oils and dry hopping. That geranium uh, type of uh, character. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get to the floral. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this: the the folks in Germany, I don't think they would ever dry hop. They think we're in, that's insane because what they're looking for, and people who are you know keying on first word hopping and all this, they're talking about boiling the snot out of the hops to drive off all those flavors that you might get dry hopping. That's right. right, and 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 getting rid of any of that that character. They don't want that. They don't want any even late hop character. They want to boil the daylights out of it. So if you first word hop, you're boiling it even longer. You drive off all those volatiles that affect and make a less perfect hop flavor, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's part of it. And uh, the dry hopping. So if you're making like a, a German style, uh, I don't think there's a German style that deserves dry hopping. Dry hopping is more of an English, uh, American type of thing. Yeah, I would agree. And maybe an Australian thing now. Uh, Yes, that's very true. Right. Yep. Only words appropriate. So uh, that was that was one of the questions that I got in uh, from uh, uh, Jim, and he asked me, "Do you ever dry hop your?" American Pale Ales, IPAs, you know, what other styles do you dry hop? What What's dry hopping appropriate for? Mike, what What would you say styles are appropriate for uh, dry hopping? Well, obviously the American, you know, 
APAs, IPAs, double APAs, that kind of thing. Anything American? Anything. Well, not everything American. I don't know. Like sometimes, like a, a, a beer that's like low in malt, low in gravity. I don't know. You know, something like the hops would, might tend to dominate if you bring out the hop flavor by accentuating the hop aroma. It's like anything, you know, like food. If you if it smells like something, it's going to taste more like that something as well. So Good I mean, point. you can you know dry hopping a, a light, a low gravity uh, American ale. I don't think it's that appropriate. It uh, kind of creates a conflict in there. I I tend to dry hop a lot of my American styles. Just I mean, not excessively, but I I think yeah. in terms of my home brewing uh, compared to say you know standardized European styles and and other sure. BJCP, I like some hop aroma in my beers. Yeah, I, what I make for, like for personal use as compared to competitions, I tend to dry hop more. Yeah, like for instance, my amber ale. I mean, oh I, yeah, I make yeah. it for myself. I dry hop it, you know, pretty aggressively because I like that beer that way. But in competition, they kind of don't like it with that big hot right. aroma. Right. Ah, oh, they're just weak in their judging skills. Sometimes I sneak it by, but not very often. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so let's uh, kind of uh, get into how you dry hop, right? So uh, we kind of understand what dry hopping is. Well, and, I'm sorry. Before uh, we go on to that, styles you use it. Do you ever dry hop a lager, Jamil? Um. You know, I've dry hopped uh, Bohemian Pills. How'd but, you like uh, it that way? No, I don't, I, it's not appropriate. Okay. You know, people talk about the uh, flavor and aroma, and we go overboard on it. But uh, you know, if you if you truly get the best examples of the style, I don't think you really get a lot of dry hop character in there. Okay. All right. So, um, <laughs> why you got a problem with that? <laughs> no, just curious. you I mean, got a problem I, with me and my lawyers and a little bit, little bit of dry hop in, in Hellas, maybe or no, 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 no. You're screwing up your Hellas. Kolsch? No, they're hard enough this, anyway. This is this is why <laughs> I do the style show and John's on the uh, the technical Bruce Strong show because uh, clearly he's just a, a freaking heathen. I'm a maverick. I'm gonna oh, well, punch you in the junk after this. All right, so uh, how and back to what I was talking about, trying to keep this on track. You know, how do you go about? And, and you realize this is the, the third show, and there's like many pints of uh, Chad's uh, Shatastic and in, in me. So things are going, and, and everybody me. here. So yeah. it's going down the tubes. How you know what? What's the process of dry hopping, Mike? You know, run us through what you think is the <laughs> optimal process. I you know, I, I, I've I've got my my wort. I've pitched my yeast. Um, what do I do? Do I just throw the hops in at that point, or you know, to yeah. walk me through the process that well, you would do? I'll tell you what I would do because I don't—I really don't know optimal. But uh, what I do is I wait till the uh, ferments. Uh, you know, it's in the secondary. I would say that the ferments about eighty-five to ninety percent complete. That is, it's still bubbling. There's still fermentation going on. There's still croisin on top of this ale, and uh, so then I. Uh, I uh, dry hop in a hop sack, so I sterilize a or a, a uh, hop sack. Put ample uh, dry hop in there, which I tend to want to do. Do you use and, pellets or whole? Uh, pellets. I tried whole. Don't like whole too much. I uh, they tend to they're hard to sink. It's a big thing, and I'm not a big fan of having hops at the at, you know half in the half in the wort, half out of it. And they really don't stay that fresh for very long. Yeah. Pellets stay fresh for longer. Yeah, time. yeah, they have much more pop to them. You might have to use a little bit more because of the, because uh, with the uh, pellets. But you know, you just adjust your recipe to get the, the amount of aroma you're looking for. 
Anyway, uh, about ninety percent complete in the fermentation. I uh, drop the hops in. I use weights to get it to go, you know, gently to the bottom. I don't want it to go down here and make a big clank or anything. I just want it barely to sink. So I got that figured out by just weighing the weights against the weight of the uh, hops. What are you using for weights? Uh, extra stainless steel uh, fittings and stuff. Uh-huh. Couple, right. Couplers and not lead See, tire weights, huh? No, no lead. See, I give it up on lead. You, know. you could you could get yourself some uh, stainless nuts at the uh, hardware yeah, store. That's work, sure. Yeah, nuts yeah, or marbles. Put, or, put your nuts in there or your marbles in there. Yeah. And, yeah. Anything easy to sanitize. That's, yeah. that's the you really don't want to use copper or brass because uh, post fermentation, oh, uh, acidity. The copper can uh, catalyze uh, oxidation reactions. So, so before be, fermentation, no problem. After fermentation, yeah. you want to avoid copper. All right, so so you uh, weight that down. You were saying an equal amount, well, yeah, of, more. Yeah. of uh, right. of weight material, right. stainless or you right. know, fittings or nuts, yeah. uh, equal to the amount of hops you're trying to sink. Generally, just to make sure that's it was pretty a, close approximate. Yeah, I don't want it to be like smack into, into the box thing in the bottom, of the, crack in the a, bottom of the carboy. <laughs> the carboy. Well, of course, I'm using uh, plastic buckets. Well, I'm using a conical. Oh, you're using conical. Carboys are a little tough. I mean, getting yeah. hops into the neck of that carboy are pretty, uh-huh. pretty tough. Uh-huh. And getting them out as well. I'm not quite sure what to do about it. You wouldn't want to use a hop sack, obviously. Or you'd have to be a, I guess they make these some of these what are disposable or something. They're sort of long where you could actually get it through the neck of a carboy. I don't know. Yeah, I'd go just loose hops. Yeah, i just throw yeah. the pellets well, in I'm going to start going that way next year. And I call, and it's, this is basically, to me, the, the end of last year in terms of the brewing cycle. And this is the beginning of the next year starting, I guess, in December for me. I'm going to start going just loose hops, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so I put the uh, hops in when there's still a fair amount of ferment because I feel that, you know, there's oxygen included in those hops. Mm-hmm. Something's in there. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, I, you know, I basically take the lid off my car, uh, conical to put them in there. You know, so there's some air introduced there. So I want to make sure that that gets scrubbed out uh, in the ferment. That's a real good point. Um, that's what a lot of the, the professionals do. Mm-hmm. Micros like uh, Firestone Walker and so on. Right. They they as a as a standard procedure they put them in uh, not after primary fermentation but towards the end of primary fermentation. Yeah, I don't give know. a crap. Okay. That's my that's my procedure. Really? Okay. <laughs> well, if there's yeast in there at all, they suck up the oxygen so fast that I don't think it really matters. Okay. I may be wrong though. Tasty's not the a one bad to theory. Tasty is the one to follow. Don't follow me. Well, you know, something about putting them in, you know, when there's quite a bit of fermentation is, Mm -hmm. you know, the the yeast are going to consume those hops in some way. I mean, there's obviously the scrubbing part that will maybe diminish the aroma, but the the yeast are consuming this hop flavor, and they're putting something out that might resemble another flavor. So there's there's more going on. And And you talk about transferring to a secondary. Yeah. Right. See, and there you're picking up more oxygen than you will from the hops. That was my theory. Okay. I may be wrong. I, I don't know anything. I'm just pulling this out of my ass. So, well. Yeah, don't listen to me. Um, well, and, and uh, Steve asked a question along those lines. Uh, he said, uh, sorry to bother you, but I wondered, uh, what is your process for dry hopping? I've taken your advice and ditched my secondary. However, I'm doing an IPA, and I began to think that I should be using a secondary, in this case, in order to dry hop. You skip the secondary on most of your brews. Now, how do you dry hop? I just throw the hops into the primary after the bubbling stops. Uh, thanks a ton, Steve. And uh, like I'm saying, you know, you, you got to transfer. I, I gave up on secondary, right? Uh, but the time that I will is like fruit beers, sour beers, and dry hopping. 
and uh, like Mike's saying, uh, you know, when it's you know towards the end of fermentation, maybe ninety percent complete, you rack to uh, your secondary and add your hops, and uh, go from there, right? I do a unit tank. I don't do. Uh, I don't transfer the secondary. I'll oh, drop okay. the, okay. the drop. yeast in the tree. So you don't have the the pickup of oxygen there, like I do, transferring carboy to carboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the. Uh, I'll I'll kind of represent Firestone here. Um, we we talked about having Matt on the show. Or Matt on the show tonight. Uh, talk about his the dry hopping that they do in Firestone Walker beers. Um, he couldn't make it, but I do have. Uh, presentation he gave at the southern california homebrew festival a number of years ago and uh they they tend to remove the yeast plug prior to dry hopping mm-hmm. but uh they do they are with usually within uh like one plato uh, that would be like four points of their terminal gravity mm-hmm. so there is there is some you know some active uh, fermentation he still likes going the on. co2 evolving as well right you know and and help scrub out the do- dissolved oxygen uh, the yeast are a little more active. They're they're taking up oxygen, um, which you know he feels is is from a professional brewer's point of view is very important for stability, mm-hmm. beer stability. Um, he recommends uh, relatively short contact time and uh, relatively warm temperatures for dry hopping, mm-hmm. something along that you know um, 65 F, you know 20 uh, 20 uh, C, and uh, and you know three to four days contact time um and then they they move the beer after that but i think uh otherwise you know i would go with uh uh, maybe dry hopping in the primary or you know at the end of fermentation or maybe rack into secondary but um again the reason you would rack it off the yeast mass is to that was a nice one uh to get uh that way uh, your alpha, which will uh, ad- adsorb onto your yeast mass, and a lot of the these flavors and aromas can be carried out of solution. Um, you get the yeast out of there first, and you don't lose as much of your dry hop aroma and yeah, flavor right. to your yeast. Yeah. The 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 uh, uh, resins and and acids of the uh, hops will coat the yeast as well. That's if right. You're, you're looking at about. repitching. Um, yeah. The, the it's one of the reasons that uh, you know your pitching rate affects bitterness. So, uh, kind of getting off track here. If you if you pitch more in a beer and you have more cells, it, it's the same mechanism that uh, people believe. Uh, you know, hops prevent uh, bacteria from uh, uh, breeding and uh, protect the beer from infection. It's the same mechanism. So the yeast, uh, you know, the the, the uh, resins coat the uh, the bacteria cells and keep them from. Uh, um, uh, replicating and, yeah. and, and getting more bacteria. It's the same thing. It coats the yeast and reduces the viability of the yeast as well, but that tends to pull out um, bittering and other flavor compounds out of the out of the uh, hops. Mm. So, uh, you know, the more yeast you have in there, that's going to affect, uh, you know, your overall flavor. So, Mike, uh, after you've... Uh, You've uh, you've dumped your uh, bit of yeast and you put your uh, right. your your hops in there in a mm-hmm. sack, weighted with a stainless to to just uh, drop to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know what are you doing temperature wise, time wise? How do you determine well, how much hops, how much dry <laughs> hopping to do versus yeah. time versus temperature? It's got to all be interrelated, right? And recipe, yeah, it has to be. So you know, I just try to you know on on by style, I try to be consistent the way with the way I do ferment. So. At that point, if that being held, sta- you know, constant, 
then it's just a recipe issue as to what you know. If I want more hop aroma or less hop aroma, I'll know that the last you know two days I've raised I raised the temperature up to seventy two because that's just what I do. I mean, I'm you know it's just the way I do the ferment. So basically, you know, I'll I'll start my ferment at an AL sixty eight F. That time I'm done, I'm at seventy two seventy three. That means that the last you know, when the when it's on the dry hop the latest, it's at the higher temperature. All right, our our listeners want specifics. So APA. Uh, oh. Ballpark, oh. Uh, average APA recipe. Uh-huh. How much would I dry hop that? Am I at an ounce? Two oh, ounces? no, no, about ten ounces. I think about four ounces for a ten gallon batch. I'm sorry, a minimum of two, two for five gallon, gallon batch. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely uh-huh. for an APA. And how long does that stay in contact? Well, I generally do a week. Yeah, a week. And bigger beers, I might go a little bit longer. I'll cut the dry hop in half and do it twice, like I'm doing a double IPA, and basically it's got a like an eighteen, nineteen day ferment time instead of your standard fourteen. So I'm going to, you know, split that in half and do them like five days apart. Ah, interesting. And then after after the primary, which is, you know, I've, I've dropped a lot of the, most of the dead yeast out of the bottom, then I'll rouse the fermenter every two days. I'll blow CO2 through the bottom port. Just get the yeast and that hop sack, you know, back up in suspension. You want your, your sack dangling. I want my sack in the air, you know, roaming free. Right. Yes. Right. You don't want it all clumped down. No, the no, no. Everybody wants their sack like. Oh, you're like swinging around. Yeah, free swinging. Here you go. If I could, if I could jump in, just to ask the obvious question too. I mean, one of the big questions about dry hopping, right, is length of time, the contact time, and and not just questions, but it's the one with the the most answers to the question too, right? So you're saying it's only one answer. You think so? Yeah. So well, is it a, is it seven days like Tasty's saying, or is it fourteen well, I, days? I, I, What's I, the taste. one answer? Taste, just taste, taste. Yeah, yeah. like if I take getting... a sample and taste it. Okay, because that's what I've gotten. Uh, I think over the course of the Brewing Network, so many varied answers about is how long it stays that way. If you could c- catch what I'm saying, what I'm, the main thing I'm saying here is just be consistent, and then it's just a recipe issue. That is, if that's you're getting too much point. of this or too much of that, don't don't worry. Just go and adjust the recipe before you make the beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a right. good point. That is, if if you're if my double IP half the dry hops in there fourteen days, or I'm sorry, say ten days, and half is only in there five. Well, I, when I taste the beer, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really pretty grassy. You know, when I may have to cut back on my, I change my process a little bit, not to do that, that you know, ten days uh, with the hops like that. But it's by taste. Yeah, to me, it, it's it's kind of hard to like say, well, I want to take this recipe, I'm going to make this beer, I want to make it perfect the first time. No, as soon as you think that that's what you're, you're, you might what might happen, you're, you're missing the most important part of the process. In that you can make it incrementally better, you just got to be ready to do that and do it. You know. So yeah. one one of the things is uh, time and and uh, how how long a, a, a time you might leave it and and how that affects things and whether it's grassy or more yeah. aromatic or or the things we're trying to capture. Right. Let's take a short break and when we come back, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to get Mike to detail you know his thoughts on uh, you know the, the the kind of compounds you get and, and John you'll you'll weigh in uh, from a technical standpoint as as to what kind of things you're extracting uh, over. For a given period of time right. and dry hopping. We'll be back after this. This is Brew Strong. We'll be right back. What's good for the earth, good for your body, and great for your brew? Organic ingredients. 
This holiday season, the organic ingredient experts Seven Bridges Co-op in awesome Santa Cruz, California, offers you the gift that keeps on giving to our planet. Sustainable, fair-wage ingredients to make the best organic homebrew you've ever had. There's a growing demand for organic products, and your choice to brew with them supports organic farmers worldwide. Brew organic, and you'll brew excellent beer that is free from chemical residues and genetically modified organisms, and you'll help contribute to a better world. If you're looking for organic ingredients, Seven Bridges offers a huge selection of USDA-certified kits and raw ingredients from 8 ounces to 50-pound sacks of grain, whole and pellet hops, and all the equipment you need. Seven Bridges, the organic homebrew expert since 1997. Visit www.breworganic.com. Attention homebrew shop owners at Fermentap. They know you're tired of buying the same old gear that everyone else has. That's why Fermentap offers the newest and most cutting-edge brewing equipment known to man. Since 1998, Fermentap has been leading the fight against the boring and mundane by offering strange, unique, and just plain smart equipment. Like their stainless domed false bottoms. Never deal with the floating plastic hassle of other false bottoms again. And since they're made from stainless steel, they'll last a lifetime. Fermentap's line of copper wort chillers are the best on the market, designed to cool your wort faster and more efficiently than other immersion chillers. They actually invented the equipment to make these chillers not only work great, but look great too. How about a fantastic line of ingredients, including vanilla beans, sorghum extract, blue agave extract, hot bitterness extract, unique wine yeasts, green coffee beans, Sake kits, all stuff you can't find anywhere else. Fermentap carries all the standard products and equipment you need as well, such as all-grain systems, stainless hardware, kettles, carbonation stones, you name it, they've got it. Fermentap's entire line of products has been helping retail shops meet the demands of their customers for nearly 10 years, and they want to help you too. For more information, see them on the web at Fermentap.com or call Jason at 1-800-942-2750. Fermentap, better beer through innovation. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking dry hopping. And uh, I'm here with my uh, 
two good friends, uh, John Palmer and Tasty McDole, and uh, a couple okay. other good friends in the studio. Uh, hey, uh, Justin and, and Chad. Biscuit. Biscuit, yeah. There you go. Well, you know, you get a dog to lick you, you know, in that special way. It's it's always great. That's where you put the peanut butter. Put away the peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> See, I have never done that, and that's the thing. Um, you, you use malt extract, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the dog's like that. Just, no, please. All right, so what were we talking about? What, what was the next What was the next step? Dry. The flavors and uh, the flavors of dry. Uh, so, 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 uh, tasty. You were talking about, um, you know, it, it, if if you've got a recipe and it calls for ten days of dry hopping, like a big beer, like a yeah. pliny, and yeah. you're doing five and five, right. uh, you know, th- maybe you've tasted the result and it's too grassy. You said or too yeah, vegetal. Well, then, no, maybe, I'm not saying yeah. that. You know, for well, me, no, that's no. what I'm doing. Right. But I'm saying if it, if, it, if I am tasting the beer or having. Good palates like your own taste it, and if they, you know, say, oh, you know, taste a little bit this, a little bit that, I, I think about, well, you know, both my process and my recipe, but I always like to hold the process as pretty much constant as I can. So that I can do repeat, repeatedly. So what, what key indicators tell you to go less or more time on the dry hopping? Well, I guess the, the main thing I look for is, am I getting the effect that I want from the amount that I'm putting in? Sometimes I'll put in a lot of other dry hop and i'm not really getting a lot of hop aroma and uh, those situations i tend to like well you know question well what's going on and that's why i'm changing my process this year i'm going to take them out of the hop sack and just going to let them you know you're going free free going without the sack free hopping. Um, yeah, I'm going yeah. Free well hopping. let's talk ingredient a little bit too mm-hmm. because that that can have a profound effect um the the high today's high alpha varieties generally have more oil you know, per per pound or percent weight than the older varieties. So um, when you're looking for you know you know lots of hop or hop aroma impact to your beer, uh, you get a a more pure hop aroma by dry hopping with a small uh, weight of high alpha hops than yeah. you do with a larger weight of sure. some some of the traditional hops like um, I don't know. Centennial Cascades. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, if you're getting, you know, if you notice you're getting starting to get that uh, grassy or yeah. or uh, or a tannic, yeah. you know, phenolic um, or polyphenol, sorry, tannic or astringency out of your dry hopping, you know, that's that's an indication that you're putting too much hops in for too long. Yeah, you can improve that. You can get you huh. can bring it back to the aroma side by. Uh, going with the higher alpha variety with more oil yeah. per weight yeah. and put less less co- you know less vegetal matter in your in your beer gotcha. and a shorter contact gotcha. time. Yeah, I only I think I uh, what I'm doing like in most of my beers is the maximum amount of a low alpha dry hop I put in is about three ounces. These are twelve gallon batches. After that, if I want more dry hop, I go with like the higher alpha, possibly one that's already in the beer. Could be the bittering hop. I've done that many times. Just yeah. use the bittering hop as the uh, dry hop. Yeah, a lot of today's high alpha rice have very nice aroma characteristics. Yeah. Right. Well, well, according to us here in the West Coast of the U.S., that, I, you go to other countries, they think we're crazy. But yeah. I tell you, a little cat pee in my beer, mm, that's, a, that's a nice thing, you know? <laughs> those those flavors and aromas, you know, they're maybe they're not traditional, but gosh, you know, they're they're so exciting. And, and when, when balanced with a proper malt character... That that can be a fantastic beer, and you know, just open your mind and don't. It would be like you know, somebody serving you snails, 
you know, you think, wow, yeah, that's a, that's a garden uh, rodent or you know, garden pest. You know, you know, properly done, properly grown, probably you know, balanced with other things you're appreciating, it can be a fantastic experience. So don't don't assume right off that any particular hop aroma is a, a negative thing, right? Right, that's true. And I I think that's one of the great things we've. Uh, uh, done here in the west coast of the u.s is experiment with those those hop flavors and uh you know oh yeah this is a bittering hop well what does it taste like you yeah. know if you're gonna throw it in just for bittering well what yeah. does it taste like that is, is a good question i i think i i think uh that that's a great point um you know look for look for uh hop aromas uh i think so often in the past um homebrewers have said well i'm gonna i'm gonna dry hop in the keg and I'm gonna leave those those hops in there for months as mm-hmm. they slowly consume that keg, and that's when you start getting the, the, a lot Weird of the, the tannin extractions and the vegetals on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna dry hop in the keg, limit the contact time, limit it to a week or so. Well, yeah. put put and enough in, yeah, that the contact time of a week or two is, is more than enough. Yeah, right. Yeah. And keep it in mind if you've got the beer at 35, 40 degrees, you're not going to get that much extraction out of it. Right. right. The extractions will be better at warmer temperatures, right. like at fermentation temp. Our room. Yeah. Well, well yeah. here's a question yeah. from uh, Mike. Uh, Michael, He uh, the subject was Pliny the Elder clone question. I presently have my clone in a 6.5 carboy. I usually use CO2 to push my beer from a carboy into a bright keg. With this clone, would you recommend continuing this method and just dry hopping in the keg or flush a carboy with CO2 and dry hop in there? I told him, uh, you know, there's such a huge amount of hop material that goes into that Pliny clone that you're going to want to do it in a secondary. Normally, but for me, I'll do it in a keg. If I'm tossing just an ounce, uh, or especially like an English beer, like a bitter, where you only need a, a tiny bit. It's not. Uh, it's not about bold, huge hop flavor. It's like you know some floral aromatic backgrounds. Like uh, you know, you put a half uh, half an ounce uh, in a, in a in a uh, keg of a mild variety. Uh, that's okay. That can sit in the keg, and it's not a big deal. You can yeah. rack from keg to keg. It's not that much material. But on something like the Pliny clone, yeah. is this an acceptable putting in the keg, or or do you need to go carboy? Well, if it goes in the keg, it pretty much has to be in a hop sack, you know, which is going. You know, the more constrained they are, the less you know uh, efficiency you can get out of those hops. They they got to move around. I think to you want them swinging free. Swinging pretty. You don't much, want your yeah. sack too tight. No, tight sack's not good. Uh, and there's so much, like you say, so much vegetative matter you're putting in there that uh, I think you want to be able to get them out at some point. That is, as soon as you do something in the keg, you're sort of faced with the problem, well, how do I get it off these hops? And that's where dental floss comes in. <laughs> exactly. You can hang it, hang it in and pull it out. That works good. Hang it in and pull it out. Yes, right kind of like a teabagging. Exactly, teabagging, yeah. And, or, you can rack, if it, or you can rack off that into another keg, which sometimes is... Uh, Pretty good thing to do. It's like screw strong. Racking off or of teabagging. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you are you in a different show? We're talking dry hopping here. I fault. You, you, your mind's in the gutter. You you and Bob Hansen, you're just like in the toilet here. <laughs> yeah. What's the matter with you guys? That's true. You know, we're talking serious brewing information. Yeah. We just repeat the information and somehow it's, it takes on a whole different color. You're right. My fault. Carry on. Yes, exactly. All right, yeah. so I got another question from uh, Xiao Pro uh, or Herr Hiller. 
Either one. I don't know what the hell the guy's real name is. But he was uh, saying, uh, so he's trying to uh, time his American Pale Ale for competition. All right. Now, Mike, I know Mike's an expert on this. <laughs> Mike is a serious expert on timing for competition. You mean I'm anal about it? Okay. Well, yeah. you, you've, you've given a lot of thought. You've well, done research. I, ha- you've I have done a, a lot thought. of like, experimentation. always doubting that. So it no, you, you've done experimentation. You've got results. Yeah. You, well, yeah, I mean, you know, if anybody times for competition, I think it's you. Well, yeah, and you rebrew. For the second round, I mean, you you know uh, that you want some beers need that. Yeah, yeah. Right. well, you and he, and and based on timing too, he's like, well, do I have time? I got to brew it on this day. He's got it all down to a very uh, specific <laughs> calendar. It's all not right. that hard. So he says, uh, I have dry hopping with an ounce yeah. amaryl pellet. It's been almost two weeks. Uh, put them into a sack. Sink to the bottom fermenter. Let's see. I was planning on fermenting primarily about four weeks. Monday will mark three weeks of fermentation and two weeks of dry hopping. You think I should just keg now and cold condition so I have no risk of grassy flavors, or should I wait a few more days? This is also an APA. The competition is not until August 16th, and he sent this on uh, July 19th. Um, do you well, think three well. weeks to a month in the keg is long enough to kill the hop flavor, or would you say I should be fine? So in other words, he doesn't want the hop flavor to completely um. drop off in a month. You know, is he going to be okay, or should he have? I don't. I, would, I wouldn't and, time my beer by flavor dropping off. I would time my beer by flavor being at its best. If you got too much hop flavor, then you put too much hops in. An APA, I, you know, I always figure it's six weeks. It's going to be at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, if you require, you know, three months for the hop flavor to drop off where it's acceptable, you just made it too hoppy to begin with. Unless you know you were looking for that effect at the, in, at the beginning. Um. In APA, you got to keep in mind that style doesn't re- really recall for it just a whole lot of hop aroma. Mm-hmm. You gotta, they really like it if they can smell the malt, too. And sometimes mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the hop aroma gets in the way. They say it's not a very good APA. Right. You don't want to overwhelm. That uh, yeah, Michael's want... beer at Club Night in Australia uh, had a really nice balance. You could still get the toasty, so, yeah, the malty yeah. kind of background right. and the hop character. And they were both very full. And, uh, you know, that's what part of what made it a real magical experience for me. Yeah. APA shouldn't be IPAs. That's a yeah, it's another stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, uh, again, have, have we talked about, uh, you know, how you determine how, you know, the quantity of hops uh, versus the, 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 the five gallons? We've talked about it a little bit, but, um, you know, you were saying two ounces for five gallons, and that's like a starting point? Yeah, or? I wouldn't even bother if I didn't do that much. Two ounces. Yeah, an American ale. English, right. and, you know, of course, yeah. Put Depending an ounce on in style. It. Yeah, or Belgian style or something like that where you want right. to just a little bit of marriage, you know, with the bittering hops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit's fine. But I wouldn't leave uh, lighter beers, you know. I wouldn't leave it on the dry hop for any more than a week. Yeah, you have a a great beer that I really enjoy, which is your American wheat you did with uh, Glacier Hops. Yeah, and I that enjoyed that. Uh, you know what? That uh, you know was bold, but not grassy. How did you get that character? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I mean, uh, is it you know a certain amount? Well, versus, like on a wheat beer, so, I, w- I would like you know in about seven days. The beer will be, you know, 80, 80 to ninety percent fermented, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's when I basically, you know, drop the vast majority of the yeast, and uh, you know, do the dry hop in about a week. It seems to work for me, right? Because I would think that, uh, all right, let's let's say we want um, hop flavor 
but no grassiness. Um, does adding more hops help with that, or does adding more hops add more vegetal matter and you get more grassiness? You know, more <laughs> hops, shorter contact time gives you more aroma and less grassiness, yeah. or does fewer hops, less vegetal matter going in the beer, a longer time provide uh, less of that vegetal grassiness? I, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm of the opinion that uh, more in a shorter time is is uh, the way to go. I think I just prefer it because I think you do get the grassiness after more time in there. I, I think there's one little point to add to that is there's there's amount and time, but there's also uh, hop mass, hop strength, and time. Mm-hmm. So if you use a small amount of high alpha hops, and you know small at a, at a, a set time, you're going to get less phenolic, more hop character than you would for for a, the same amount of hops of a lower alpha, and thereby a lower uh, oil content for the same amount of time. Okay, so l- let's say we're trying to uh, add some hop aroma to a, a, a fairly delicate beer, but we want to avoid any sort of grassy vegetal flavors. What John, what you're saying is try and pick from hops that have a higher alpha acid, thus having a higher oil, and you can use a smaller amount less vegetal matter in your beer, shorter contact time, and you can get that aroma without the vegetal. That's right. Although I do need to um, contradict myself in, in by pointing out that uh, percent alpha and percent hop oil are not necessarily related, but in general it's like cloud color and rain. You know, The darker the cloud, the more likely it is to rain. Same thing with alpha and hop oil content. Generally, especially in, the, in modern varieties of hop, the higher the alpha, the more alpha, the more oil they have. But the amount of oil in the hop is actually more of a, a function of uh, time on the bind than it is necessarily alpha. But mm-hmm. with the, with the uh, the breeding of hop varieties in the last twenty years, uh, oil levels and alpha levels levels have ridden uh, risen. Uh, You've been drinking or what? I think so. Yeah, it's the fantastic. It's yeah, it's good, very good. So did I make a con- uh, concise point there? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I get- we've all been drinking. All right, so let's let's uh, take one last break here, and uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll we'll wrap up and we'll get into the uh, questions from the chat room. Smart. Brew Strong. This is Brew Strong. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Fen. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. 
Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess, the The more beer beer deal deal of the day. day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the more beer deal of the day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from John. Park. Okay, I rolled a 15 and I get a plus two from my yeast starter. Nope, sorry, you failed your roll. Your beer is infected. No way! You had to be at a 24. It's schizosaccharomyces. This sucks! I just failed versus oxidation! Our party is fracked! Doug's the only one left and his beer is a Berliner Weiss! What's this? A tea party? Hey, this is a brew session, man. Get lost! Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really uh, use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Does your significant other know the difference between an Irish red ale and a Flanders red ale? Do you burp, strizzle, spalt, and fart Y yeast 2308? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the socially awkward Patters beer and the sci-fi convention showstopper number eight make 10th level at northernbrewer.com sit down next to it grab yourself a paper towel and watch those yeast have sex you're listening to the network back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys brew strong All right, we're back. We're talking uh, dry hopping with uh, Tasty McDowell, one of the uh, best brewers I know, and uh, very knowledgeable about dry hopping. He actually goes around, uh, talks to pro brewers and sees what they do, and he experiments with that and tries that in his own uh, environment and sees uh, what replicating that will do uh, for the overall process. So... Uh, Mike, you know, before we go too far, all right, so we talked about how you uh, start to dry hop. You know, can you give us, uh, you know, other thoughts on the process? How how do you get such great uh, dry hop flavor and aroma without any of the negative drawbacks? I mean, kind of, you know, fill hmm. us in more on, on your process a little bit. I think that's what people want to hear. All right. 
Well, I think this thing where I uh, rouse the fermenter uh, every couple of days uh, during secondary fermentation, I think that uh, tends to uh, dry out my beers, first of all, but I think it also keeps the... Uh, the dry hop sort of like uh, rolling over or get, uh, doesn't get a chance to maybe interact with the yeast as much as uh, as it would if it was just sitting in the same place all the time. And uh, So you blow your uh, I blow your CO2 in the bottom of the fermenter, yeah. Every couple of days. Now, yeah. uh, somebody using a carboy or a better bottle or a plastic bucket, could they Which, I do swirl, some of that. Yeah, I just swirl pick it up carboy? and just shake the hell out of it, you know, get it going. Just kind of get it uh, agitated, yeah. get that stuff right. back up in solution? You know, be prepared for, you know, sometimes if your beer is fermenting cold or under a little bit of back pressure, maybe because you're pushing an, uh, a blow-off tube or something like that, you may have some CO2 in suspension. You know, the shaking is not, you got to be, you know, make, do it gently at first to see if you're going to have some sort of eruption of foam or something like that but uh, gentle so you avoid the eruption yes you don't want an eruption but um yeah i think uh it's something that i, I think helps a lot it uh, seems to clean up the beer maybe some of the stuff that's left over from the dry hop that you know that extra fermentation is maybe eats up the grassy flavor i don't know but mm-hmm. yeah i do tend to uh get really nice clean hop aroma uh, in most of my I think the agitation will help the polyphenol polyphenols okay. complex and settle out. Okay, cool. And when and when some people some people will say, well, wait a minute, when do you ever rack your beer? It's going to be, you know, once the, once this thing settles out of a beer, I've seen it. You can shake it up, and in a, just amazingly quick time, it just seems to fall right out. What takes like days to fall out, one you know, just falls right out in a matter of hours. Hmm. Kind of interesting. So. All right, so we've added the hops. We were waiting. Uh, we 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 waited till the end of ninety uh, percent of fermentation, and either we uh, rack to a, a different fermenter or we drop the yeast if we're using a conical. And then uh, we've added this this uh, charge of hops, at least two ounces for five gallons, and uh, weighted with an equivalent amount of stainless to take it to the bottom or marbles or yeah, any balls she got. You take it to the bottom. Now, all right, so we've waited a, a week, two weeks. Do we taste this along the way? I'm a big proponent of tasting, and when, yeah. when it tastes right, that's when it's time if, to If stop. something's new, if I'm using a new hop or, you know, something's a little bit different, where I don't really know if I want to leave, you know, how long am I want to leave this in there, yeah, I'll taste it, sure. Uh-huh. And sometimes I don't can't taste enough to really know, but, you know, if I taste it and it turns out it was, like, too grassy or on in there too long, you know, I'll at least know what it tasted like after five days. You know, and I shouldn't have let it go to seven or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Just gets into part of the cycle. I think that's something that I hear a lot from prof- people in the profession is they always taste the beer anytime they get a chance. I mean, as soon as it, you know, I I always taste my, uh, you know, out of my uh, mesh tent. Just taste well, it right I, there. I think the the thing that stops homebrewers from that is they go, well, you know, I only got five gallons, so they, <laughs> you know, they're they're you know, they're yeah. so protective of every little ounce. Yeah. Where I think you know they're missing the boat that they could uh, make a better beer if yeah. they they followed their taste buds and tried it every so well, often. And right. if you waste a gallon, yeah. uh, you know what's what's the big deal if it if, if it results of four gallons of the best uh, beer you've ever had? Well, you're putting so much time into the process, and unless you're you know just totally oblivious to you know what you could be doing else with that time, it's worth the effort to get the best ingredients in the best process. And if you need to use a little bit more. To get a little extra beer so you can do something with it, then I think it's worth it, worth the mm-hmm. trouble. Just buy extra pound of grain and get that extra beer. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we got it towards the end, and then uh, you just rack off to the keg, right? Yeah, yeah. One thing I I do a lot of people don't don't think about this is 
when I'm racking my out of my 12 gallon, i.e., 10 gallons of beer, I rack out in parallel. That is, I don't rack one keg and then the other, because you know the the there's a certain stratification going on in that fermenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first I first thing I notice is well, the beer coming out of the you know it's got the side racking arm. The first beer that you know that comes out is is cloudier than what you know comes comes down from you know the later beer because it's the top is clear. Well, I'm spreading that around between the two cakes, so I get consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, a lot of that haze is actually hop hops in suspension, so I'm moving a fair amount of hops out of my uh, my secondary into my cake. Because to me, the cake is where I actually you know uh, get all that stuff out of my beer. I, first thing I do after I rack into these kegs in parallel is I you know I chill them down to 32 degrees and just let all that stuff fall out. But don't you filter as well? Yeah, generally I wait a week or more depending on whether I need the beer or not, mm-hmm. and then you know I'll, you know typically I'll filter. And you don't think filtering strips any sort of dry hop flavor? or Well, that's just a recipe issue. If it does that, I'll just add more dry hop. Right. Yeah. Have you ever dry hopped after filtering? No. No, I haven't. Next experiment right there. I could. Well, or I could. I got two kegs, right? I could not dry, filter one. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a novel thing to do, but uh, <laughs> I don't really care, I guess. I, I don't need to know. I'm... I'm going to filter. Well, you know, I've got I got a two and a half gallon. I got a two and a half gallon keg of beer here today, and the only reason I got it is because I know I can bring it here, and it'll be as clear as the the, the pint I pour at home Mm because it's been filtered, Mm -hmm. and it's good. (laughs) It's true. And it tastes. Add my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's help. I cheat, right? I think that's something we posted on the forum one day. That's that's how I get an advantage. I filter my beers. Yeah, and I and I get an advantage, and I cheat because I don't filter my beers. There you yes, go. Yes, right. exactly. So, uh, well, each his uh, own it, it, butthole. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think the thing is, uh, people figure we have an advantage, and that's why we do well. The opposite things, yes, <laughs> yeah, and we do totally opposite things, yeah, but people yeah. will blame us for both. Right. Uh, you know, so clearly there's something else to look at in your brewing process. There's a little bit more going on than that. Not yeah, that's a relatively minor thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, more important fermentation. All that's that. where it happens in the ferment, yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, we got a question from the chat room. We do. Lots of questions coming in from the chat. Um, something that was brought up was dry hop temperature. Uh, it, somebody had said, I'm certainly not speaking for Vinny Chalurzo, but they had quoted Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River as saying that 50 degrees Fahrenheit um, was his temperature for dry hopping. Uh, I guess what he had said was cold enough to drop Cal Ale yeast, but warm enough to still dissolve hop goodies um, that are in there. Do you guys have any comments about temperature of dry hopping? I wonder if uh, you know Vinny's on to something there with... Uh you know the yeast dropping out again. The resins and stuff uh, from the yeast coating the, uh, or from the uh, hops coating the yeast, and p- the yeast pulling it out of suspension may actually have a, a, an impact there. Now, personally, right. the way that I dry hop is uh, if I'm doing something with a lot of dry hops, I'll do it. I'll transfer to another carboy, and I'll put in like this massive amount of hops, like Pliny the Elder. If I'm just uh, touching something up and putting a small amount of hops in, up to an ounce or two, in five gallons, I will. Uh, transfer the keg first. You know, all the yeast is left behind. Transfer to a keg, and then I'll dry hop in the keg, and it'll be in the fridge, which is like you know forty degrees. Okay. So uh, you know the important thing is getting the yeast out of there, and I I get plenty of dry hop flavor. I think the alcohol tends to d- help. It's more the uh, solvent than maybe. As, yeah. Right? I, I think I think uh, in in Vinny's case, I mean he's again he's a professional brewer. He's looking at time versus money. 
Okay. And so he's picking the best combination of factors to get the hopper open in the beer in terms of time in the process and so on. Because it was time, maybe he'd go faster, he'd go hotter. Right. Yeah. If, you, if you had time to drop these first and warm it up, put more hops oh, in, uh-huh. less hops uh-huh. in or whatever. Right, right, right. I mean, you know, it, it's you, we have a number of factors that we've talked about here today where you you manipulate those factors to your to your advantage. And I think in a professional brewer sense, uh, a case, you know, they're they're looking at money and time is yeah. kind of driving that which which factors they use. So maybe isn't ideal for us because we don't have the same constraints. Not necessarily. Or he okay. could do the recipe adjustment. He may have to do it at fifty, but he uses more dry hop to get the effect. Yeah. I mean, you know, right. mm-hmm. he's probably doing it at fifty to get it out of his very valuable. 68 degree fermenter, you know, right. it it where he's got more Get the room. next beer in. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that leads us to uh, the next question, uh, which is what are we getting different from the hops if we dry hop in the keg uh, as opposed to dry hopping during the end of primary fermentation? Again, I think some of those really delicate uh, aromatics that are driven off by any sort of CO2 evolution through the beer, I think those are lost... Um, uh, you know, I think you, you have a better chance of capturing them if if there's nothing bubbling out. So on, one of the reasons a sealed keg is uh, useful in that that in that respect. But it, it may not be critical. It may not be the most important thing either. I think there'd be a difference, but not necessarily a better beer. I agree with that. Okay. Oh, uh, just a comment from somebody, too, uh, that came through from the chat earlier, is the only reason I listen to this crappy-ass show is Tasty. So tasty. They're just thanking you for being here. Okay, thank you. Glad to can, be here. Can you can you ban that that person <laughs> from the, get rid of the that chat? One. Yeah. Okay. Can this be edited? Gone. <laughs> uh, here's a good question. Uh, this person found that when oaking with oak chips and and they've sunk them to the bottom, <laughs> when the staves have sunk to the bottom. Stop! 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 All right. So here's one of the things I learned in Australia. Was the people in Australia told me they go, you know, somebody asks. Every show about, would you oak this beer, oh. right? And they're making fun. You don't have to seriously answer that question every time. All right, except that this isn't one of those. All right, all right. But they're, they're, they're saying, look, look, you know, that's A what's tradition. happening is, is people are just, every show, they're going to ask you about oak aging. Oaking they're this. not serious. Gotcha. So, all right. All right, well, it's not an oak aging. It's just a comparison. Okay. But I will now, for, for I will from here forward, be looking right. out for the oak course, aging question. I didn't even know that. You know, I'm like, and oh, yeah, well, I. you know, would you oak age? Yeah. This is the problem with the honesty of our live show, too, is that if you ask a question, I've pretty much promised everybody that it will, uh, I will try right. to ask right. it. Right. So right. unless okay. it's blatantly obvious that they're right. fucking with me, right. it's getting asked. Well, they're doing it because of police. Uh, I think it's something about oak aging, as he said at one time. <laughs> well, this really is a good question. It's just right. a comparison. Right. Uh, the person says, you know, noticing that when they oak age and the staves uh, sink to the bottom, uh, when they rack off the staves, that the, the you know they've tasted it while it was still on there, uh, and they were at the bottom near the dip tube, and they noticed, wow, this is really oaky. It's perfect. They rack off the oak age. That flavor changes. So they're wondering the same thing about. You know, sinking the bag of hops to the bottom of a keg. We're doing our taste test. It's sitting down near the dip tube. It tastes perfectly hoppy. Then we rack off of there. Are we going to be disappointed with the hop flavor of the beer? Well, now, see here, this is why I believe uh, not using a sack, not weighting it down, having the hops floating on the top, because I do believe that all those compounds are heavier than the beer, and they do settle to the bottom, and you get more of a, a flavor throughout. 
And uh, I think that, uh, you know, there are things, it depends if, if things are lighter than the beer or heavier than the beer. And I think that's 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 part of it. So that's one of the reasons I, I kind of stopped the whole bag thing. The other, the reason, main reason I stopped the whole bag thing was uh, not having to sanitize a bag. <laughs> so, you know, I'm lazy. I'm totally lazy. Yeah. But uh, I think that's an interesting uh, observation. And the same thing with the oak and all that. It uh, infuses the local beer, but... It's not going to make it up to the top. It's heavier than the beer, so it right. tends to well, you know, those compounds. What I've done to get around that, and because I, I was fully aware He's of that. He's blowing his fermenter. Well, I've done that. Also, I've, I've taken like a, a wine thief to get a sample, mm-hmm. where I get a pretty much top-to-bottom uh-huh. sort of uh, sample of the beer. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm trying idea. to decide, get it off the oak or, yeah. or get, leave it on the oak. i got to do that. Otherwise, yeah. Right. So swirl the, the carboy or the keg Yeah, stir it up. Like I say, don't, uh, what or I found. blow CO2 through it. Yeah, is that once you every once things settle out, once they precipitate, you can shake it up and they precipitate right back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once it so don't be afraid big, of big enough uh, insolubles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. They've yeah whatever they've done to make it. The, yeah, they do it. They're ready yeah. to go again. Yep. All right. Another good question. Uh, what about and does anybody have any experience with dry hopping with wet hops? Is that something anybody's ever done? Tasty. I've never used wet hops. Oh, I thought uh, you did. No, I have not. I haven't either. Thought I've heard of people doing dry hopping with. with uh, thought you did a harvest hops. clone. Yeah, so uh, y- you dry hop with wet hops. Um, uh, you know, the the only thing about that is, um, uh, you know, bacterial and wild yeast load, and uh, you know, you're gonna end up with some sort of infection in your beer, uh, or a pretty good chance of it. If you uh, if you're gonna use wet hops, otherwise, so you want to put them in the last like a minute or two of the boil. To kind of stun everything that's on them, because every piece of plant matter out in your backyard is covered in wild yeast and, and road dust. And, and right, and it, if you just pull that off and throw it in your beer, you're going to get an infected beer. So that's one of the reasons that uh, the uh, harvest ales and the wet hop beers, uh, you know, they they throw the hops in at the last moment. Um, the pelletized and all that, they're they they go through a, some serious heat. Now you could use. Um, you know, uh, regular dried hops, but again, the kilning tends to kill off. I think a lot of the uh, the uh, sanitizes them to yeah, some extent. Kill off a lot of the wild yeast and stuff. Okay. And the last question is a question uh, that I have, Tasty. You always talk about this, especially, but everybody does. Uh, a nice hoppy beer is something with a lot of hop aroma, hop characteristic. Uh, age is not the best thing for that beer. Those characteristics drop out quickly. Um, same with with the dry hopping characteristics, are, are, is it the? I guess what I mean is, it the same compounds and the same profiles that you get from dry hopping? Do those drop out just as you know the ones that you put in the boil? Yeah, I, they, I think it's about the same as like late addition, like hop flavor. I don't notice that the dry hop aroma and flavor is dropping out any faster than like a late hop addition. Okay, but it does drop out, and to me, at least in my taste, I get like staleness is what I'm getting out of like you know. Aroma that's gone away. So I mean, I consider a dry hopping a beer is pretty much giving it like the kiss of death. That is this is a beer you don't want to be drinking in four months as soon as I do the dry hop. Now other people could have different results. I've had different results. I had some beers today that I uh, bottled a long time ago and they were happy beers and you know they were eight months old and I opened them and they tasted great. But just in general, and, and maybe I'm just noticing in cake beer once it drops off, either I'm either just disappointed in it, but I think it's more that it tastes you know somewhat like stale. Okay. 
And that's it from the chat. Other than to say, I hope you guys recap the alpha acid conversation that Jamil and John Palmer, that you guys had together, because I think it was really good. It was a question from the chat if alpha acid has has to do with, with our dry hops. And between the two of you, Jamil, you did a great job of summarizing what Palmer was talking about in in and how alpha acid might affect the quantity and the length of time and all of that with dry hops. So good coverage on that, and just want to make sure you put it in the recap. And that's it from the chat. Thanks, chat. All right, so if I could remember what we said, that would be great. Uh, if not, at this point in the recap, you could just up, rewind. Rewind. <laughs> yeah. Listen to it again, and uh, you're all set. Uh, I think what we were talking about was, uh, uh, John, you had mentioned the higher uh, alpha acid the hop, the more oil it generally tends to has. Generally has. And uh, I was saying... Uh, if you you know if if you have a lighter beer you want to avoid some of the the grassiness or vegetal select from the varieties that will give you the appropriate flavor select something with a higher alpha than a lower and uh, try that because you can use a smaller amount of hops you'll avoid some of the tannin load the polyphenols the grassiness from you know same amount of time let's say it's a week if you put in you know two ounces of a low alpha low uh or let's say three ounces of a low alpha, low oil hop, you're going to get more tannin extracted in that time from three ounces than you would have, say, two ounces of a high alpha, high oil hop. And so you're going to end up with a cleaner uh, aroma hop character or dry hop character from the higher alpha variety because you got less vegetal mass in there. So all things being equal, uh, the less uh, vegetal mass you can put in the beer... Uh, the less vegetal flavor you're going to have in the beer. That's right. Uh, you know, same thing with contact time. The less you can have for contact time, the less you're going to extract, start extracting those tannins, which are slower to extract than the uh, the hop oils and stuff are extracted fairly fast. Yeah. And uh, all the other uh, compounds and stuff are extracted fairly slowly, so the less contact time you can have, uh, the, the less uh, vegetal and tannins you're going to get in that yeah. beer. So, you know, if you want to short from, shorten your time, uh, from a week to a couple three days, you could you know increase the amount of hops by an ounce, and still uh, get that much more uh, mm-hmm. flavor and aroma out of that hop with less uh, mm-hmm. vegetal. Because uh, uh, all those vegetal and and uh, tannins are are extracted over time. It takes a certain amount of time to extract those. Versus uh, you, right. if you dip the dip the hops in and pull them out, you'd get some hop flavor, but you wouldn't get any tannins or vegetal. That's right. Right, so uh, there's some sort of a, a a time zone in there in between. Uh, one of the things that Mike uh, uh, emphasized was that uh, I don't know what he emphasized. Yeah, I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I was Have drinking and didn't pay attention. Yeah. No, um, what, oh. one, one of the things he emphasized was uh, uh, the need to. Um, uh, uh, you know, agitate the the hops throughout the throughout the beer. It's very helpful because, again, I think like one of the listeners uh, mentioned, uh, you know, you get this settling of of the hops at the bottom. You know, go ahead and stir it up. Don't worry about it. All the the, the things you if you're worrying about clarity, all that stuff's going to drop right back down that you're you're stirring right. up. Anything that you're 
you know, anything really fine. You're not stirring up anyways. It's already in suspension, right. so it's yeah. not, not necessarily. But by stirring, you get you get that hop character homogenous, right. and you know that when you're tasting that beer and say, okay, this beer is ready, mm-hmm. that you're getting a clear mm-hmm. picture of the entire beer, mm-hmm. not just the stuff at the bottom of the dip tube. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Definitely. And and then the hopping amounts that, that uh, we recommend, uh, you know, uh, Mike's saying, uh, you know, you really don't want to go for a hoppier beer. You know, if you, if, and generally when you're looking at dry hopping, if you're looking at something like an English style, you're doing a half ounce or a quarter ounce or something minor for mm-hmm. a short period of time. And just to kind of brighten up kind of the hop character. If you're doing it in a West Coast American style, American brown, American uh, amber, APA, IPA, and, you, you know, uh, where your, your starting point is really uh, two ounces per five gallons sure. or uh, yeah, you uh, want 50, 56 burn. grams per um, yeah. uh, 48 liters is where, where you're kind of... Uh, where where you're where you're starting from? Or no, I'm sorry, not 48, but uh, uh, um, uh, 56 grams per uh, 20 liters is where you're starting, or okay. 19 liters is where you're starting. Uh, that's your starting point, and that's going to give you a lot of the character in in a certain amount of time. If you have a large uh, load that you want to deliver, uh, you know perhaps it's best to split it up. Mike was saying. Uh, you know, let's say you uh, want to do 10 days of dry hopping. Instead of putting the whole thing at the beginning of the 10 days, you do five days, rack off of that, do another five days, and you're getting those brighter hop flavors without the vegetal, without the tannins and all that stuff. And uh, you're gonna you're gonna end up with a better overall beer. Uh, that goes right. Yeah, more complex hop aroma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, get to uh, well, that's double dose. Let me, let me ask ask a question here. So, uh, you mentioned earlier, Mike, that you were you sometimes would tend towards using uh, the same hop as the bittering hop I've done it, for yeah. your dry hopping. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what about adding more complex flavors? You know, how many hops <laughs> should we use in a beer? That's a, that's a good question. If <laughs> if we're you know yeah. there. Uh, and I'll start with my take on it, and and you can correct me where I'm wrong. But my thought was always, all right, you can use as many hops as you want, if if and only if they are all kind of in the same family. Yeah. If you use they're too many citrus, hops yeah. and they're all yeah, right. you know, citrus, evergreen, fruity, right. noble, spicy, and you start picking no. you know hops from all the spectrum, you're muddled. Then. You're not yeah, you're not making a good hop flavor. You're making a muddled mess. Yeah. You want you can go ahead and use four different hops, but they all need to be in the same family. Right. So keep your hops in the same hop family. Is am I correct here? Or no, I'm definitely no, definitely that's a definite uh, uh, dark line in the sand. There, you don't want to mix families. You want to you know keep them the same. And what I found with like you know, for instance, this I've got several beers, and everybody knows about them. They have like six different hops in them. Those are pretty hard to, you know, those tend to get muddled. It's kind of hard not to with that many different hops. Mm-hmm. But one thing I tend to do is to have like dominant hops and then background hops. Mm-hmm. That is, that you know, I don't have like a lot of dominance being added at the same point. I might have two flavor hops, but one is sort of like higher alpha, more dominant, and the other is more of a background hop. All right, so we're in the wrap up here, but oh, all right, how do you? Well, I'm getting out of the wrap up. How do you pick? You know, well, the, what's going to be dominant? Well, what's like, going to be? There's certain uh, hops that have distinctive flavors that they just nothing t- tastes like them, like Simcoe, Northern Brewer, uh-huh. uh, 
Yeah, Simcoe, kind of yeah. oniony, yeah, yeah. celery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Northern Brewer is um, yeah. woody, minty, and uh, minty. minty yeah. Summit. Uh, Columbus uh, is kind of piney and right. uh, cat pee like. Uh huh. Right, right. So I don't. Uh, I let one of those dominate. I don't put two of those. Kind of hops in at the same time, or even the same beer somewhere. Or in equal amounts, you might put yeah, one, one as to, a sub-note. Yeah, I want one to be the background or the foundation for the other. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's where that, that hop uh, hop flavor wheel in Brewing Classic Styles may come oh, in there handy. You go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, buy a copy of Brewing Classic Styles if you're listening to this. and uh, yeah. uh, you know. We'll sign it. Yeah, we'll sign it. John yeah. will sign it. I'll sign it. You get a sign it. If you buy it from the Brewing Network store, right. you, you get a sign by both of us. Or you meet us in Australia. Or in Australia, uh, John Preston at uh, Grain and Grape. He has right. uh, probably about 20 uh, Brewing Classic Styles that are signed by both wow. uh, John and myself. Neat. And signed copies of How to Brew also. And How to Brew. Wow. Yeah, that's not an important book. I, I didn't really <laughs> care for it. Uh, you know, it was all right. Uh, you know. yeah, bathroom reading. Right? Oh, yeah. Hold the door open. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Redone? <laughs> oh, you're wrapping up? I, I was oh. wrapping up, but Justin left, so we really oh, can't oh, end the oh, show. Yeah, that's true. That's the important part. So he thought we were going to wax on for another 20 minutes. I see. He left in a huff, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got He's it. got his panties in a bunch. I, you know, I get it. It's that time of month for him. All right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what, right. what, what haven't, you know, what, well, you always have great pieces of it. Well, what, one thing to keep in mind is we talked about two ounces and five. Right. Uh, I mean, if you're making a really big bowl of beer, like my double IPA, I put like, in, in 19. you know, for yeah. a 12-gallon batch, I'm putting 11 ounces in a dry hop. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on the beer. I don't, you know, here, here's the question I, I don't think I asked earlier was, is it possible to over- dry hop a beer is it possible to put too much in there yeah probably is yeah i assume so i don't know what that limit is i never all right so let's let's say you put so much in there that you don't see liquid anymore it's like hops <laughs> all the way to the top <laughs> you can't get it out of the cage i, I think right. i think most yeah, american boilers would like oh you know from top to bottom it's filled <laughs> with hop sludge <laughs> And you know you got to put like a, a dip tube with, beer, with a, with a strainer on there to, yeah. to yeah. suck it out. I, I think you got to have the malt character, the alcohol to 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 hold that because I mean you know you've had I've had bong water IPAs where there is so much resin uh, bong water. You know I mean it's so much resin in that in that beer that. that is just it, it coats your tongue, coats your throat. You know uh, you can't taste any malt. I mean, it has to be a beer style like double IPA. Where they can you've hold got, up to that. Yeah, they can. They, you've got you've got the higher alcohol right. to cut through that. Otherwise, it's just. Uh, well, I, I, yeah. All right. So I suppose if you're making some minor. Uh, I mean, if we go know, overboard beer, but, here, but yeah. essentially, all right. So tasty. Your tasty beer is is uh, uh, you know a serious beer with a lot of hop flavor. Yeah. Now, now. I don't know. I think you could hop that like you do the uh, Pliny the Elder. I think it'd still be okay. I think there's a certain. Well, it won't saturation. be a very good APA, but it would be okay. Right. Yeah, well, sure. I think it'd be great. Well, it'd I be think, too much hopper room. I, I don't think you can have too much. I think one of the things that happens is uh, there's a, a, a saturation point where the hops are the hop resins and oils are no longer going to diffuse into the liquid. They're going to just drop out. I don't think you're going to get any more solubility. Mm-hmm. There's a saturation point where, uh, uh, you know, but, it's, I mean, it's not going to happen. You know, your 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 tasty um, pale ale. I mean, yeah. how much dry hopping do you put in that? Uh, I think it's like three ounces or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, three ounces for that for, for this 
for this beer, this uh, tasty and chatastic, versus 11 ounces for a double IPA Mm -hmm. and two ounces for an American pale ale, just a a typical American pale ale. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of other hops, though, in there. Yeah, well, they marry up. I mean, you know what? I I have a lot of late addition in that that beer. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take a whole lot of aroma to like marry those up because they they go together. Yeah, I mean you can have a little bit, a lot of flavor, just a small amount of of uh, of aroma or late hop flavor from dry hop, but they they match up. That is one you know mm-hmm. complements the other, brings mm-hmm. the other out. Yeah, I mean dry hopping does put uh, alpha into the beer. Yeah, you know, it, and and you're going to see your but, you're going to uh, see your IBUs not, go up, but it's not a summarized. It's not a summarized. It does not add to bitterness, but it adds to flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to you're going to get the resin. You're going to get the resin quality. You're going to get the flavors. Right. You're not going to and your your BUs, your measured but, BUs, are going to go up, but it, the bitterness doesn't actually go up. But I, but I think this is one of the reasons why Pliny the Elder works. The malt has taken a backseat, and it's those resins that take the front seat and take the place of the malt in the balance of the beer. Yeah, and I think the higher right. alcohol content helps support those. Right, but I, I think, you know, the bittering that's in there, I think, uh, you know, because there's very little malt, and I don't think, you know, necessarily the alcohol, because you can take take 100, 100 uh, 200 proof uh, grain alcohol, no, yeah, right? Okay. Added to a beer, does it do anything for it? No. No. Right? It doesn't affect head retention. It doesn't do anything to the beer. It thins it out. That's all it does. Right. If you... Um, but I think, you know, those resins start to take the place. This is the, the genius of Vinny at Russian River is that those yeah. resins start to take the place of that mouthfeel of malt and the, the sweetness of malt and the character of malt. Mm-hmm. And you get this kind of balance in what we would all say is totally unbalanced beer. When you go to drink a pint of it, it's balanced. And it's like, well, how is it balanced? It's not it's it's completely cattywampus for what we That's think is true. is of balance and this whole mindset that you need to balance bitterness with malt and that whole thing he's balancing it with with these resins and yeah. I, it's totally unusual time, i'm totally I, blown away yeah. Yeah. I, I think the alcohol has a lot to do with it because you've got a solvent that is helping to lighten uh, but that he, resin he, load you know the Vinny's Vinny's. uh uh Pliny the Elder is only like a ten seventy something starting gravity. It's it's like seven percent. Well, it still works. Yeah, but it's not. It's not like you know. You need a huge amount of alcohol. I'm dying. You know, I'm okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 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 convinced. I, we, yeah. we agree to disagree. But uh, Justin is uh, you know he's run out of tampons and he's got to go. And uh, you know, although the word of this show. If uh, soil load was earlier today, <laughs> yes, cattywampus is this, cattywampus. Is, uh, this this show's word. Why? Thank you. All right. So we did the wrap up, and then we waxed on uh, past that. This era. dry hopping has been very satisfying for me. <laughs> you mean dry humping or dry hopping? And tasty. What's this beer that you brought in the keg that we've been drinking? <laughs> it's a, a Merton. That's that organic beer that I made for the Seven Bridges uh, competition. Doesn't taste like a Meriton to me. Well, it's it's, it uh, it's about twenty percent too hoppy. Too hoppy. Too hoppy. So. I see. But uh, I do like it. I it's like I've had a few glasses. It's, great. it's like a hybrid. I never would have said Meriton though. No. It, uh, well, because most homebrewers are brewing like this overwhelmingly sweet malty mm. uh, version of it, and it's not like a good classic uh, uh, Meriton like yeah. like what that is. It's too hoppy, but I tell you, the malt carriage is perfect, and the fermentation perfect. It's tasty, of course. Tasty knows what the hell he's <laughs> yeah, doing. Right. It's a good brewer. Yeah, I didn't bring it out. Right. 
Okay, so that's the show, and uh, uh, the next show that's going to be coming up is Hot Side Aeration, by request from our, our good brothers yeah, in I've Australia. Yeah, i seen her dance, yeah. John Preston, he's like, hey, look, you got to do Hot Side Aeration. So that's our next show. We're not even waiting. That list of shows we have, screw that. Hot Side <laughs> Aeration is going to be the next one. It just said it is. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance and you're uh, browsing around the Brewing Network, there's a great forum, lots of people to chat with and answer questions for you. But, uh, uh, you know, important in that it helps fund the programming that you're listening to is uh, you can go to the Brewing Network store. You can get a book, uh, Brewing Classic Style, signed by both John Palmer and myself. Uh, the only place you can get it, uh, other than Australia. And then uh, uh, there's uh, uh, the, the black uh, hop grenade shirts. Uh, All of us love those and love to wear them. And they're going to have these really great glasses. By the time you hear this, if you're listening to podcasts, go to the store and uh, pick those up. And uh, it'll be a a great thing for all. If you get a chance, uh, sign up for an AHA membership. Uh, We've got the National Conference coming to uh, San Francisco in 2009. And AHA membership gets you a big discount. It helps support homebrewing and homebrewers all over the place. And John and I both uh, write for BYO, Brew Your Own Magazine. Check it out. You can get a subscription again on the Brewing Network site. And the only reason we mention this is it helps you, uh, or it helps the uh, Brewing Network a, a few dollars go that way and you can keep us going uh, by doing that and uh, I think it's all good stuff or I wouldn't mention it uh, all right. products that I enjoy or uh, yeah. uh, I'll call it, I'll call it uh, the way I see it anyways thanks for listening and we'll see you in uh, about a month Bruce Strong everybody Bruce Strong. Uh, love this hobby